Do you want to tell everybody what happened to you? You guys, Little Romance has gotten into a lot of colleges. And it's, <laughs> yay! Oh, and Sarah manifested and prayed on her crystals or whatever, and we got our— I follow the instruction booklet very closely. And, like, a financial aid package came through for a school he really wants that is, like, gonna work. And everyone in the Reed's Romance household is— Very relieved. (laughs) Except maybe the cats who don't—are gonna be sad and miss him, but— They will. But then when he comes home, they'll be so happy. Yes. So, So, yay. That's good news. We hope that um, everyone else is manifesting good college packages and college acceptance letters if you are out there waiting for college acceptance letters, which sounds terrible. I know. It is terrible. It's terrible. It's like 10 days of just, like, waiting. This school, this day, this school, this day. It feels like they should just all do it on the same day. Rip the Band-Aid off. I agree. Make it so. Well, and now there's these, like, Reddit threads where people essentially, like, it's all really, honestly, very heartbreaking, all of it. I was very invested in a girl who was, like, so afraid to open her Emory decision. It was, like, hours later, and she still hadn't opened it. I hate it. I know. You know what we're going to do, Sarah? You're going to take a picture of whatever that crystal kid is, and I'm going to put in show notes so (laughs) everyone... P.S. I want to say uh, several people have DM'd me and messaged me about crystallizing, crystalling, and I want crystallizing, <laughs> and, and I want to say thank you. Somebody somebody sent me a book that I should read about crystals, so I want to say thank you. Um, I have my obsidian in the corner of my office, which is where apparently you're supposed to put your obsidian um, to ward off negative thoughts. So amazing. Think all the negative thoughts you want about us. Cause I've got obsidian in my office now. Um, and I have this long white crystal thing that I'm holding that that I don't remember because in one ear out the other, I don't remember what this is, but this came in the box and somebody told me that if I like kept it on my manuscript, it would be good. So I'm we're going to put Using a link. it as a paperweight. It clearly, <laughs> look, it worked for us. It She manifested, <laughs> and it worked. So, woo. Very exciting. Very exciting. So I want to say Welcome to you. Faded Mates and Crystal Sales with Jen and Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this podcast is about to get pretty woo. Pretty woo-woo. I mean, fine, whatever it takes. It's 2021. Exactly. Anyway, it's exciting. We're having a great time. It's a beautiful day. Lil Romance got into colleges. My manifestation works. We read a great book this week. We did read a great book this week. I'm excited to talk about it. Me too. So, Jen, here's what I was thinking. And I texted you this, but I feel like we should talk about this on the podcast. Is, like, so we have done deep dives or, like, really talked a lot about several of the texts that were in, the, uh, several of the books that were in the Best of 2020 box. Mm-hmm. And we have not talked about some of the other books that are in right. the 2020 box. So I was thinking that we should, over the course of 2021, read periodically yeah. those books. So, because for example, like there were books that I have not read in that box. I know right. there are books that you haven't read in that box. Yeah. And so um, I think it'd be really fun to do it that way, even though we have like vaguely touched on. Right. So we'll all go through, them. I think, our two 
best of lists. Oh yeah, because I mean we could do 2019 too. Sure. Like figure out which ones we have talked about enough. Like so for example, um, like Lovers Do was a book I put on the list. But when Tracy Livesey was on to talk about Friends to Lovers, we talked about like Lovers Do pretty extensively. So we might not do that one again. But like we've only touched on Honey Trap or Whiteout. So maybe those would be ones that we would yeah, do full Deep episodes dive. on. Because yeah. over the years, we've sort of talked about, I mean, season one was Cressley, and then season two was like the books that brought us personally to romance. It was really like an exceptionally personal yes. season. And then when we got to season three, I think part of the reason why we sort of just said, oh, we'll just be back on our bullshit is yeah. because we didn't really have a guiding principle for season three. And we didn't want to do modern books because we, I mean, like, first of all, a lot of my friends write romance novels and I didn't want to, I don't want to do my friends' books, like, generally. Like, I mean, I'm I'm friends with Alexis, but, like, I don't, I don't feel, I don't want to feel responsible for, like, deep diving my friends' books. Right. That feels weird. Um, And, you know, you have a lot of friends in the space, too. And so I think this is a good way for us to touch on modern books without it feeling like, oh, that's just Sarah and Jen talking about their friends. Exactly. Yeah. Which is what we actually try not to do with the best of the year lists. Like, yeah, right. Poor Kate Claiborne will never be on our, Adriana, we love you. You'll never be on our best of the year list. Yes. Sophie Jordan. Sorry. You're right. You're out of the club. (laughs) So sadly being friends with us does not manifest. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we will talk about your books a lot in other ways. Alas, we did buy Kate a plant. So that was nice of us. Sure. (laughs) I'm not sure. If we'd bought our pink lady jacket, she probably would have stopped being friends with us. So what what are you going to do? Exactly. So anyway, so this week, tell everyone what they've won. So I decided that we should do You Had Me at Ola, which um, was a book we both agreed was one of the best books of last year. And um, I think part of the reason I was really interested in us doing the deep dive is because... We had talked about A Matter of Class, which was really, we were really looking at the craft and structure of that book. And so I was kind of like, what are other books that are doing something really interesting? Because I think that's always like a real fertile area, things for us to talk about. And so You Had Me at Ola is doing something really interesting with narration. And so, and something I have also really like loved in the past, which is sort of a story within a story. And so that's one of the reasons I wanted to choose it. Um, I also have really loved all of Alexis's books ever since um, Take the Lead. Yeah, uh, you know, the ones about the dancers. And just, I think, her real commitment to um, a world we are all fascinated by is sort of Hollywood and television and, like, what does it mean to be a working in that world, but not, like, a superstar And I think in all of her books, she's so committed to, like, the working um, actor, Mm -hmm. right? Like, sort of, you know, not like I'm a a big star rolling in money, but, you know, I'm just, like, I'm making a living out of the art of acting. And so I think it's also um, a world we're all really fascinated by, but sometimes we only get, like, maybe, like, you know, the celebrity versus the... We've talked before about how much I love a celebrity romance, and I wanted, I want to talk. Maybe, I think we should do the plot first, and then we'll yeah. get into it. But I want to talk about how this exists as both a celebrity romance and not a celebrity romance. Yes. Like, 
Um, because I think it does strip away, it uses some of the conceits of celebrity of like the celebrity trope mm-hmm. without actually delivering a celebrity romance per se. And right. I think that's fascinating. I mean, there's a reason why we both thought this was one of the best books of the last year. Yes. And it's in the structure of it. Yes. It's in the fact that clearly Alexis Daria is at the top of her game. The top of the game. Yes. Even. Yes. Yes. Okay. Tell everyone about the book. Let's do a plot. Okay. So the book opens up with Jasmine Lynn. Jasmine is her, that's her stage name. Jasmine Lynn Rodriguez returning to New York to start a new TV show on a, like a Netflix type streaming service. And this is, it's a, a telenovela, but it's like a real big step up because of the platform that it will be on. And she has been a um, working soap actress for years. So this is like a really great opportunity for her to kind of level up. And um, it's especially a great time for her to be getting out of L.A. because she has just been dumped in the most horrifying way possible by her celebrity boyfriend, um, a, a rock, like a pop star. And essentially she found out about it in the tabloids. And so she gets to go to New York. She gets to be kind of reunited with her family. This is where she grew up, her best friends and her cousins. And, but one of the first things she finds out is that the star, the co- her co-star has been in like an accident. I can't remember what it is. Oh, like something funny. It was like he was cheating on his wife or something and got caught and slipped on some ice. I don't know. And um, he has been replaced with um, a very well-known telenovela actor, Ashton. (laughs) The scene where they figure out that it's him is really... Yeah, so Alexis, she is surely one of the best of us when it comes to writing, friendships, and other relationships in romance. Yes. Um, There's always a, like, broad, beautiful (laughs) community in an Alexis Daria book. And that community is going to be hilariously funny and incredibly supportive and just, like, all-around fabulous. And you essentially just want to go live in whatever the community is she's writing. Agree. Um, And that is... Extremely difficult to do as a writer when, and also holds sacred the romance, which is what she is able, that is the line she is able to walk, and it is incredibly difficult as a writer. Um, That said, this moment where they're like, (laughs) they're naming all the thing, all the like telenovela, like, characters that he's played and it's like 15 of them and they all have like they all sound like romance heroes like it's oh like, yeah you know, the golden lion and the, the you know. golden lion I love it. we <laughs> are like, by the way two white ladies i don't I, I do not speak a word of spanish so i'm gonna not butcher any no, of these we're gonna avoid spanish yes. the use of spanish in this and i know um, that that's doing the book a disservice but we're just gonna say yes. that right at the beginning <laughs> Well, I think we would be doing the book a larger disservice. That's if we true to try and this in Spanish. Um, we know better. So the, um, but I do want to talk about language too. That's on my list. Um, so, but when they're doing this, and then one of them is like, "Oh my God, that's our grandmother. That's your grandmother's like favorite, favorite actor. actor." And I was like, "Oh my God, this is amazing because." You have this moment where you're like, you have the kind of cognitive dissonance of my grandmother's favorite actor, but yes. then also like 
all these younger women just salivating over him. And you have, like, as a reader, you're like, what am I getting into? Like, who is this character? You know, is she writing Silver Fox? Like, what's about to happen? She's not. She's writing a golden lion. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so, and then here's, here's the other part. And this, this book is also full of like super memorable scenes. Mm -hmm. And as someone who reads so much romance that sometimes I'm like, wait, was that in that book? There is no question. The things I remember about this book will have only been in this book, right? Yeah. will only be this book. Yes. Yes. And so she, it's like, you know, she's nervous. She's never met him. So the first time she's going to meet him is at this like table read. And she I should say she also has the hots for this guy. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it Im- it's implied that, like, this, nobody doesn't. Every, Everybody who yes. sees this man on the screen is like, holy Ooh. cow. Yes, right. And he's been, he, well, we should say, he has sort of, he was killed off his last role. Yes. It sounds, like to me, it sounded as though it was, like, a point of pride. Like, he was killed off from his last role, and usually he lasts till the end of the show. Yes, so he's also really worried about his own career. Like, did they kill me off because I'm now not at the top of my game anymore? He's 38. He has he has dreamed of, essentially, telenovelas being a stepping stone up to, like, maybe movies. But, you know, his sort of rival got a role that he wasn't even considered for. And so he is really invested in this as being also like a stepping stone, but possibly maybe like a a last chance, right? Uh, right, because this show is not filmed in Miami. It's filmed in right. New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been in L.A. trying yes. to make it in Hollywood. And now, right? I mean, she's been a working soap opera actress, hasn't also hoped to sort of... The implication yeah. is that L.A. soaps and New York soaps and Miami soaps are all, like... Yes, there's a, a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy. And being in a New York one from this streaming service is going to be more mainstream. It's going to yes. be a bigger audience. It's going to have more of a budget. It's it's a bigger deal, right? Yes. And he's been in Miami shooting telenovelas. Right. And so for him, like, coming in, and this this show is bilingual, like, bilingual right. cast, bilingual creators, bilingual everybody. He is bi- bilingual from telenovelas. But has an accent that, you yeah, know. Yeah, but Spanish. Right. Um, speak Spanish from Puerto Rico. And the, and um, Jasmine, the heroine, doesn't speak right. very much Spanish. Right. Doesn't yeah. speak great Spanish. Yeah, and this is well, you're getting ahead of yourself. And let me I just am. talk about this one scene and then we'll talk about the language because it comes in in this next scene. So at this table read where they're gonna meet each other for the first time, she like walks in as he's preparing a cup of coffee, and he essentially like spins around and dumps it all over her. And she's wearing white and pink. I mean, it's you know, she's she's she the star. She looks great. Yes. She is cleaned up. Perfect. And even he realizes that, you know, this is terrible. And he's kind of bumbling and, like, awkward and horrified. So she goes to the restroom and stops, like, an assist, you know, some assistant and was like, she gives her the $35 in her wallet and says, go find me something to wear. But doesn't really give enough instructions. And the woman comes back from, like, a bodega. Like, she's, like, it's like a pair of nylon shorts and a, like, I Love New York (laughs) t-shirt. 
that is a child's. It's a child's medium, like, hoodie. And so she puts it on because she doesn't have a choice. Yes. And it's like, uh, it's like a crop top. Yes. (laughs) And you know what, though? I don't think I have ever loved a heroine more. In that moment. Yes. Just instantly. Because she is like, this is what I've got. This is, and she like. Well, she's like. It's either wear this, like, wet, white shirt that's going to show yes. my tits. Yes. Or this child's medium. With my heels. With so. my heels. <laughs> yeah. Lipstick and lipstick and earrings. And yes. Just, you know, fake it till you make it, Jasmine. It, she's, she's amazing. She's amazing. And I also love in this moment, I mean, we're really early in the book still, but in this moment, she... Texts her friends. Yeah, her. Well, they're her cousins. Her cousins, yes. And but they are her friends, and I love. Texts. Yeah, they're like her. They're her. Her primas. Her like. Yeah. Closest people, and she texts them, and she's like, "Uh, "This is what I'm wearing," (laughs) and they're both like, "Hot, so hot! Like you look amazing." (laughs) I really found I. Okay, I know that we're we're already all over the place. I don't care. I've got to say, I, I, I didn't have sisters. I mean, Kelly and I grew up together. I didn't have sisters, but like, I wanted cousins like this, right? Yeah. Like this relationship this that she built with these cousins is amazing. Yeah. Well, the, Alexis does this in every book with her communities, mm-hmm. and you do feel. I I often sort of pause in the middle of an Alexis Daria book and go like, oh, I sort of long for this. Yes. Like, I didn't have cousins like this. Yes. I didn't have, um, you know, like, and then I, on the reread, I actually did pause and have a moment where I was like, oh, I'm kind of sad that, like, my daughter won't have yeah. this. Yeah. Right. You know, like, it's so, it's such a bummer. And then, right. you're, but then you're like, well. Whatever. I'm going to keep reading. Nope. This is a great book. Yes. <laughs> Now, here's the thing I guess we need to know really about Ashton before we sort of move into, like, structure stuff, which is Ashton has uh, been a successful telenovela star for two decades, yeah. but he has a, a a son who is eight who he has hidden from the world. And part of the reason for this, well, the only reason for this really is that um, seven years ago when his son was just a baby, a, a, he had a stalker who, like, found out where Ashton lived and broke into the house, like, with a knife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing happened to him or his son. Like, he, they called 911. This guy ended up in jail. But this f- deep-rooted fear. And I want to point out, I thought it was really amazing to have a, a hero who talks about his fear. Mm-hmm. And, like, can recognize how much it has changed the way he lives. Um, essentially so terrified that this would that his son would be impacted by his fame that he packs up his son and his family, his father, like extended family, buys a house in Puerto Rico for them, kind of in a small town. He has an apartment for himself in San Juan. And like essentially they the, he's just determined to keep these worlds entirely separate. No one will ever know that he's a father so that he can keep his son safe. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot to say. I know. I have a lot of things. I have a, lot, I have a big list. I have a lot to say. I have something to say about that, but I don't think now is the right time. It's fine. Well, let's talk about language stuff. All or right. is it too early? Because I do think it's, it mostly is in, it actually lives mostly in the beginning. Yes. Right? I agree. Um, because in the beginning of this book, there's a lot of, there feel, 
it feels like there are a lot of barriers for these two. Like, yes. I think, she, I think uh, Alexis does this really interesting thing where she layers in the barriers at the start of the rela- of the of the book in such a thoughtful way that you almost don't realize like how many barriers there are until you're like, Oh shit, there's a lot going on here. Right. Um, and so right at the very start, like at the table read, so the book, the, the show is bilingual. Jasmine is required to speak Spanish. It's most, it it strikes me as mostly English. Right. And like, there are some, there are like punctuations of Spanish in the, in the or like language. Spanish when she's with her parents, English when she's like in the business world, right? So it there's a lot of code switching. Yeah. Essentially. Exactly. In the show. Yes. For Carmen. Um, for Carmen, but so the it's important for us to state. So there's Jasmine and Ashton, and then there's Carmen and Victor. And right. those are and it's we have to talk about all four. Yes. Because Alexis is a genius. Oh, God, so so good. I know. Right. So, okay. So the way that the structure of the book is for the first few um, chapters, we're in Jasmine and Ashton's point of view. And then there are moments where we slip into the actual text of the show. And the scene, it's not as, it's not written as a screenplay. It's written as like the experience of the two characters who are, um, it's a second chance love story, this like right. show that they're in. They're, they're ex-partners. Well, they're um, divorced. They're, they're divorced. And so they are, um, so they're, you Car- know. Yeah. Carmen owns a PR firm. Victor is a pop star. And he comes to her and basically is like, I've screwed up my career. I need you to help me kind of get back on track. And this is what puts Victor back in Carmen's orbit. And this is the plot of the show is essentially them coming back together. Second chance love story. Through, right. So to underscore this, Alexis Starr is writing two romance novels here, right? Yes, she is. Uh, which, you know, I mean, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at all, I'm not at all like overwhelmed by that idea. <laughs> so um yeah so she's writing two so that's happening right on two levels um jasmine and victor so at the table read jasmine has to speak spanish just to read a line in spanish yeah and when she does she flubs it and she flubs and like not in a huge way no we're in vic we're in um ashton's point of view and he notices it Right. Like there's something off on, about the vowels, and, like, it's slower than you right. would have expected. And there's a sense, and we've seen her already kind of worry about yes. this aspect of the show. And it had a very, like, this is not entirely fair to, <laughs> to poor Jasmine, but had a very Joey Tribbiani feel to me for a little bit, where, you know, yep. you know that episode in Friends where Joey's like, you just say yes. You say you have, you say yes. yes. You and can then do it. Monica right. ends up making him like 16 foreskins because he says he has a foreskin. <laughs> she, do you know that episode? It's very weird. The Friends watchers in the crew will we'll know like, what yes, I'm I talking what you're about. Talking about. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So um, she presents them to him on a tray. It's wild. Anyway, um, but so she said, like, yes, I speak right. Spanish. And what's interesting about this to me is, so I we've talked before on the podcast about how I am the child of an Italian immigrant. And um, I am, and so, and this experience of growing up in a family where people speak a foreign language, right? People are, are what's called, what I have, have, 
learned is called a heritage language. So basically, okay, interesting. In my in my case, my father spoke Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, we spoke Italian periodically in the house, or the Italian was spoken periodically in the house. But the dominant language of like my life, my childhood, was English. Um, and so. Italian for me is what's called a heritage language. Like it exists for me as like a language in my, in my orbit, but I never spoke it fluently Mm -hmm. all the time regularly. And so there's this thing that is very specific to America. Actually, there's a continuum. The way that people now are thinking about bilingualism is as a conti- is on a continuum and that's particularly because of so many children of immigrants in America. So there's a this continuum of bilingualism. It used to be that you would you either were bilingual or you were not bilingual and that's just right. how it was. And the truth is now that there's or cognitive scientists have said so there's this continuum of bilingualism, and it starts with something called receptive bilingualism, which um, is when you grow up with, like, a cognitive, an understanding of a language. So you are a fluent listener and understander of a language, but you cannot speak it. And that's, like, almost at all. Like, you basically have no—you have a masterful understanding, but, like, you've never had to make yourself understood in that language. So there are definitely moments where, um, you know, I instantly started being interested in this in this book because Jasmine will hear a—he'll speak in Spanish and she'll reply in English. Yes. And that is a very common—like, my life with my dad was a lot of like, he would say something to me in Italian and I would reply in English. Yeah. Um, and then there's something called dominant, um, yeah, dominant bilingualism. And dominant bilingualism is a little bit better. It's like basically you understand it, you speak it in a, you speak it on, you're when, fine. Yeah, like, right. Like, if I'm in Italy or with Italians, I can make my, like, I'm fine. Like, I'm, you would be like, oh, we're in Italy together. Yeah. Sarah's talking to people. We're understood. But like fundamentally, there are there are holes in my like language structure because right. I never learned it as a complete bilingual experience. And then right. there's equal bilingualism, which is like two languages simultaneously learned or like, you know, right. learned to the point of being excellent at both. Yeah. And what I think is really fascinating is that this continuum is developed largely because of American families, because of an immigrant culture in a place that's like built with many immigrants, where a new generation, you know, what there's, we've done this first versus second right. generation right, right. question, which is like, I always grew up thinking, like using the term first generation, but now there's some dis- some discussion that right. like, actually I'm second generation, but whatever. Doesn't matter. Right. The first, the, the first sort of baseline generation in America, born in America, doesn't learn the language. Yeah. The same way, like learns the culture, gets the heritage, has the family, has the community, but doesn't actually get the language right. in the same way. And I think Alexis is doing something remarkable with this book Yeah, that so many people who don't understand that language piece, like I never had to experience that language piece as a person in the world, won't see because... There's kind of a moment where you're like, or they'll see it and they'll sort of like tilt their head at like, well, why doesn't she speak Spanish? But like, right. just like he does, why doesn't she speak Spanish? And she doesn't speak Spanish because she's American. Like right. she's, because she lives here in New right. York City. Right. 
And so I think when we talk about representation in romance and like moments where you are reading a romance novel and you are seeing yourself reflected not just like as a human, as a singular human, but as like a cultural human, like yeah. in your human lived experience, this book is doing something absolutely stunning yeah. for that community of Like Americans, children of immigrants, yeah. Right. Of whom there are many, there are so yes. many of us. Right, like, right. Who have, who have this lived experience. And it's such a fascinating part of like Jasmine's character and also like she talks extensively about how like it's not true of her cousins, right? Some are some are fluent some and some are know fluent. nothing, and right. right, like it's like that whole it's range. a continuum. Yes, and it's really fascinating. Yeah. And the reason I told Jen before we started recording that I was going to get nerdy about this because one, obviously, you can probably tell that I care a lot about this. Like, I think this is a really important thing for us to think about as a as a nation, like as a culture. Um, but also I think what's fascinating about this is this idea that like, there is a little bit of shame in it for, Mm -hmm. you know, for there's an, there's a sense of like wanting to be able to do it better and like knowing where you're knowing where your foibles are. And then at the same time, when we're in his POV and he's kind of questioning it, there's a moment of like his, his feelings about it are sort of addressed in a in, in an interesting way. Right. And then structurally, Alexis is right, it changes the writing of it. Yes. Right. Because for so many years, romance, when you write a, a second language into romance, right? And I've yeah. I've done this. I've written Italian, an Italian heroine. And you write a second language in, and then you have to figure out like, Where's the balance of, like, writing in Italian versus writing in English mm-hmm. or writing in Spanish versus writing in English? And there's a lot of discussion about, like, how you do it and, like, right. you know, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on, like, but but I think these are important questions. And what But what Alexis is doing here is because Jasmine can't speak it fluently, the translation is happening in the text. Yes. Like in her head. Right. Instead of it being, like, repetitive, which is right. where a lot of us end up, like, I think kind of screwing up writing a foreign language in our romance, in our novels, like, where we say the line in Spanish and then we immediately translate it in English. Like, sometimes that happens, but sometimes it's, like, just pieced together. Yeah. And it's, like, kind of mimicking her own thought process. Jasmine's thinking it yes. through. Like, she's, right. she hears the language, she's getting the input, she understands it in Spanish, but she has to process it into English and it's such a lived experience yeah and I just want to not I want to really like hammer that for everyone like the level of skill that is happening here representation wise is wild I, I just love this book man it's purposeful like, you can tell that it's purposeful, but it never feels heavy-handed. No, no. And right? I hope that I didn't. Yeah, like, that's not how I felt at all. But, like, it didn't feel preachy. It didn't. It, no. And, I mean, as a white person, I don't want to say, like, you preach all you want, I guess. But, like, I, like, does that make sense? Like, this, this book is, like, let me pick up 800 million pounds and do it all like I'm yeah. dancing, like Fred Astaire. Right? Exactly. Like, that's the part I just think is and really great about this book. The yeah. moment where they finally have the where he's basically like, you don't speak Spanish. Like there's, right. it, 
it's clear you don't speak Spanish. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he's so, like, cool about it. He's like, no one's going to notice. Like, oh. I notice because it's my first language. Like, I noticed. But right. Your you accent's know, great. And she— Because there could easily be, I mean, like, there right. is a lot of shame, shame around, this, around right? it. And, right. and so you end up getting corrected all the time by people who speak it better than you. Yeah. I'm sure. And, um, and you know, Alexis just threads that needle. Like, she, he's so great yeah. about Well, it. and so are some of the other actors on the show. Like, she's running lines with them, and they're helping her practice and making yeah, sure, yeah. right? Um, and I think, you know, what's funny, because I, the last time I've seen, like, this in particular in, like, a mainstream thing is, and it's, like, not recent, is in the movie Selena, which is with Jennifer Lopez, like, yes. Selena does not speak Spanish. And there's this part where they go to Mexico and, you know, her dad is like, oh, my God, your Spanish is terrible. And she's like, yep. don't worry, I'm going to charm them. And it was, you know, <laughs> and it's like kind of seeing like that, like that, like yeah. push-pull between, like, I can look the part, but as soon as I open my mouth, someone's going to know. And I, I thought, like, all of this stuff with around, oh, God, this book so, is so great, right? It really is. Yeah, for that. So, I mean, I, and I just think like it's so effortless and it's so, you know, it's very real. And then on top of it, um, I just think the whole book does such a remarkable, when we talk about, there's so much conversation in romance about representation Mm -hmm. and about like, and for a lot of white authors, it feels like, a lot of white authors are saying, like, well, it's just so hard. It's just so yeah. hard to do representation right. And I think Alexis, this book just defies all, like, it defies all of that. It's right. so um, representative of New York City. There's so much, like, you know, there, there are trans characters and non-binary characters. And, like, uh, there, there are, like, subtle nods toward pronouns, like, yeah, you know, right. how people exist in the world in 2021. And it's just also deft. And it should be deft for all of us, but I think it's so deft for Alexis that, like, the book is like a text. You know what else I think? And this is, like, I just think Alexis, like, really loves her characters. Mm-hmm. Right? And I have no idea how I know that. Right? Like, if you were like, show me how that, what do you mean? Because it feels like that. Because right? it doesn't always feel this way. Right. Exactly. And that's the part I think that really comes through is, you know, these are characters who are, like, have made mistakes, are, you know, Jasmine is is not a perfect woman. She's not this, like, you know, she's like, I love her moxie, but, like, you know, she struggles with, um, you know, and her, her cousins know, like, right, you're always falling in love, and you're always, like, rushing into these things, and you need attention, and, and she's, like, aware of those things, but still, like, kind of falls into that trap of, like, and I, I thought they're, like, the way that that is portrayed just, like, for her and Ashton both, right? As, like, real characters who are, like, kind of struggling with their inner demons and, like, wanting to be better and not always, like, quite making it happen. Mm -hmm. That's the part, I think, like, this is, like, this, the character work here is, I think, really unparalleled. Uh, For all characters. I mean, there's just, you know... There's never, there's not a secondary or tertiary character in this book who isn't given, like, the respect that they deserve. And and that's what gives the whole book authenticity, right? It's what makes the whole book feel 
yeah. like it's real. Right. And, you know, one of the things I have been, I was like noodling and I couldn't, it took me a while on the reread to figure out what I was really thinking. And I got around to, and I wrote it down, like, this book is a textbook for human relationships. Yes. Like, and I want to talk about the intimacy coordinator. Yes. And then I'll say more about yeah. what I mean by it's a textbook. I, for- I, and that's, uh, yeah, I guess I just feel like, um, you know, I don't know if people would call this like a rom-com. I Maybe whatever. It's, it is funny, right? Sure. It's funny. Yeah. You know, you and I always struggle with, like, what makes a rom-com? Sure. But I guess... It's funny. (laughs) One of the things that I think is very common in movie rom-coms or in portrayals of rom-com is on TV is there's always, like, an aspect of humiliation. Mm. And I... That's, I think, one of the reasons I'm always, like, I don't know if I want... I don't want to read... that child's medium cropped up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but... But she... But then she looks great in it, so... Right. But it's also, like... But she's not humiliated so that we find her less. Mm-hmm. People have shitty things happen to them, and then she just is like, I'm going to handle this. Right? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? And I think yes. that's what I mean when I say that, like, Alexis, like, loves and respects her characters. Is, like, nobody felt like, even when they were, like, making mistakes or doing whatever, right? Like, no one felt like a target in this book. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes in rom-coms or books that are called rom-coms, there's like um, some meanness. And there's no meanness here. And maybe that's what it is. No. But that's because the book is a textbook for human relationships. Yeah. I mean, and truly, I'm hard-pressed to think of another romance novel that does this so well. Yeah. Period. And which is wild because when we think about romance, right. it is the genre of human relationships, right? Right. right. So I want to, can we talk about the intimacy coordinator now? Yes. Okay. So as part of this relationship that they, as part of the story of the book and of as part of the show, there is an intimacy coordinator attached to the show. This is a job that exists in the world, which is amazing, where um, basically, like, this is a this is a, a crew member of the show whose job it is to both coordinate the sex scenes and the, like, right. the you kissing. know, the kissing. Like, and literally the, like, physically Im- blocking them, like, move yeah, this way, and, right? Yeah. But also to, in, I imagine, the best possible scenario, work with both characters so that everything feels safe and consensual. I yeah, don't yeah. imagine this job existed right. a while ago. Right. <laughs> like, I think I don't think anybody at Game of Thrones got this. Yeah, right. And so there is a moment. So this this woman is amazing. Yeah. Jen, tell everybody what you texted me earlier. (laughs) Oh, I was absolutely like, if I was the type of person to write fan fiction, these three would definitely have a smoking hot night together. And then they would just be like, so that's our request to Alexis. Yeah. Like that out. You can just send it to me, Alexis. Oh, yeah. Ashton and Jasmine and Vera definitely get it on one night. Yeah. And it is hot. That's, I'm sorry. I have no regrets. That's how I felt. Because she's in it with them. It really is like the intimacy of that scene with the three of them is like, it's really sexy. Yes. But it's also. Doing so much work writing-wise, this scene, oh, yeah. it's 
bananas. Because so the first so the, the first scene with the intimacy coordinator, and I love it because Ashton's like, now what is yeah, this right. about? <laughs> yeah. Because he's never no. engaged with one of these people right. before. And so there they are. And Vera says, why do you think it's important to the story that they kiss right for now. the two of you to be for like the characters to be kissing right now. And he's like, uh, because it's in the script. Yeah. Jennifer <laughs> Prokop was like, it's a romance and everyone should kiss more. That's why. <laughs> but here's the thing. Alexis is writing like there you go. Now you know what it's like to be a writer, like yeah. to write romance novels. In that moment, there's a pause for right. everyone. And for me, I was like, oh shit, she's doing the writing work. Like she's like showing the dance. Yeah. She's teaching you the dance yes. as as she's dancing it. And it's it amazing. is wild because I've never seen a romance novelist do this before. Okay, so now let's talk for a minute about like the this framing device, right? So most of the chapters are either Ashton's point of view or Jasmine's point of view, but then we get the chapters that are in like Car- that are Carmen and Victor. What's it called? Carmen in Charge? Is that what it's Carmen called? in Charge. Yeah. And the thing that's fascinating about these chapters is they're written in text. So that it's not just a script, right? They're right. written and... They're a romance novel. It's a romance novel. But then there are times where, like, one of them will essentially, like, break the fourth wall. Yes. And be like... And I was, like, tracking. Like, in the first one, it doesn't happen at all. Chapter one is episode one. And chapter the two... second one. Is when it happens, right? Because they're and about to... They're, like, having yeah, a, like... She leans Very on him. close moment. And you think it's Carmen and Victor. And then, all of a sudden, you get Jasmine being like, focus, Jasmine. And you're like, oh, right? And it's, it's the, so the way clever. Uh, the way in which, I mean, the way in which an actor inhabits a character but brings themselves into it. But also it's do. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it's like, it's doing the work of the writing. Yes. Like, there's, the scenes are unpacking the emotional yes. baggage of the characters. I mean, yes. of course they are, right? Like, obviously, sure. that's what they are there for. Right. But they're actually doing the writing work. What's wild about it is that, uh, shit, Carmen and Victor, the characters, yes, are evolving the story of Jasmine and Ashton. Yes. Without, in the reader's mind, you're evolving, like, the Jasmine and Ashton story is being pushed forward by a second love story. Yes. That they don't know, like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to, like, it's, it's, it's hard this to explain. Yeah. wild web of writing where that requires, in order for Jasmine and Vic, Jasmine and uh, Ashton's story to work, Carmen and Victor must exist. Yes. Right. And obviously, that sounds like, well, obviously, the book is set on a television, the set of a television show. The characters have to exist. No, no. I'm not talking about... The job has to exist. I'm talking about these two characters, characters. have to exist yeah. in the world of the book. It is so fucking bizarre and so fucking great. Yeah. And I, as a writer, cannot figure out how she does it so perfectly. It makes me not a small amount angry. <laughs> 
this is a book that, okay, like I'm tackling like, okay, I have one romance story and then I have another one. And romance story number two is like essentially the springboard for the main romance to continue. And while I'm doing all of that, I'm also going to show you the reader that the act of taking in art changes you literally. It changes you. Yes. You are changed. What is the book where we talked about that? The pen and teller cup and ball trick. Yes, I don't remember. But we, we talked about it. Yeah. We'll link to it yes. again. Because this is it, right? Yes. So pen and teller do a cup and ball trick. Apologies to everybody who listened to that episode already, but there are new new listeners. So I'm gonna repeat myself. They do a cup and ball trick, which is a very old-fashioned. Everybody has seen this cup and ball trick. Like you, you if you've, you've seen, seen a magician, before, you've right. seen this. Um, they do it using clear cups and they tell you how they're doing it as they're doing it so you are seeing the trick yes like there is no magic here and it still feels like magic right and like that is what is happening here alexis has shown you the full bag of romance novel (laughs) tricks yes and you still feel like you have been shown a magic magic yes yeah i agree and i think that that like Literally, I was on the reread. I was like, I feel like I could write a paper. I guess we'll have a podcast where I break down the parts where, like, they break down into the other characters, right? Like, why is it, like, written this way? What is the pieces of information that the actor is adding versus that the script is adding, right? Like, how does, like, in what magic, it's like alchemy. I've used that word before, right? So you put these two people together and you give them this script and this love story and somehow, like, this, like, magic happens and it's going to carry these characters forward and then that's carrying this couple, like, write this other it's amazing. Uh-huh. I don't even know if we're doing it justice. I guess I would just say, we're not. sorry. Just read the book. Just read the book. Um, Jen, you know what the book was, that, where we talked about that? What? I bet you could guess. I don't know. I'm. What book it was, was it? It was Bet Me. Of course it was. Of course it was, right? Another writer who is yeah. doing yes. massive amounts of craft work. I'm the operator of my pocket calculator. Like this is this book is so Alexis's book is so good. It's like it's it's on a par with Bet Me. And I think part of the thing is, and I will say the first time I read this book, I was like, what are these chapters doing here? Right? Because in the beginning, you don't know. In the beginning, they seem like filler. Right. Yeah, but not for long. I mean, maybe to you. Like maybe the first time. Maybe chapter one. And then you're like, oh, I see what they're doing. When she breaks the fourth wall, right? Yes. When it becomes Jasmine and not Carmen. Right. That first moment, you're like, oh, Oh. shit, she's doing a thing here. I mean, it's great. And so, but what is interesting is, so, going back to Vera, she, so, the, um, while all this is happening, the intimacy coordinator is working with them to get them to a place where they feel comfortable, like, consensual, when everything feels safe and consensual with them touching, kissing, making out, you know, whatever. And she asks these kind of pointed questions about, like, why is this happening? Why, you know, why did the kisses have to happen here? What's the importance of it? It's all about underscoring communication. And that word comes back again. Again and again. 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 Yes. This, like, communication between them is colleagues as characters as as lovers lovers. and so um 
what ends up happening is there are several moments where Alexis uses communication in a way, and this is what I mean when I say it's a handbook for human relationships, because there's, of course, the sex piece, and I want to put a pin in it because I think the sex in this book is superior. So good. Yes. But I also want to talk about communicate the climax, or I don't know if we'd call it, I guess it's the climax of the book. Are you just trying to make me giggle again? (sighs) Honestly, you all have filthy (laughs) minds. The number of tweets that are like, Sarah said, you said Spike Spike is a wall that Buffy's banging against. (laughs) Come on, that was Come on. Like, we can't even help ourselves. It's fine. It's true. And Spike is a wall that Buffy's banging against. (laughs) And it's great. Anyway, but... Okay, the the it's the climax of the book. Yes. <laughs> when Fine. everything falls apart, right? Like his it's revealed that they're having an affair that not well, it's not an affair, that they're together, yeah. that he has a secret baby. A secret baby in Puerto yes. Rico. Um, there's all this like he had a stalker. Like it's all yeah. it all comes out in the tabloids. And that's how Jasmine discovers many of Ashton's like secrets. Yeah. Which must really suck. So dating a celebrity sounds terrible. But also, but in the moment, she's furious, right? She sees it. She's angry. She goes to him and she says, like, I don't like hearing your secrets from the tabloids. Right. But, and she says, communication. So you go. You And it's It's so healthy. (laughs) Yes. I know. And, like, I... Don't feel like I am healthy enough in my own relationship to do this conversation. No, me neither. I was like, why are you such a baddie? <laughs> like, right? <laughs> Communication, your turn. You have to talk to me now. Yeah. It's amazing. And we see him start to say, well, you. And then he stops and thinks, I need to say I, but he can't stick to it. He is a fucking mess in this he, scene. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And it's so romantic. Because... This is the moment, right, where he breaks and he has to man up. Yeah. Like, he has to acknowledge his flaws and he has to be a better person for her. In other romances, this is like, he has to, like, punch a bunch of people in the face and then, no. like, burn down his casino. <laughs> and in this book, he's he just has to talk. Well, and here's the part that I would also like to say. Anytime someone says, well, if they just talked, they could figure it out. This is a scene that shows you how fucking perilous it is to talk to the people you love. Yes. Because they are talking to each other, but they fuck it up, right? Because it's like you're full of anger and anxiety and fear and guilt and everything and, right, like resentment. And so your words come out wrong. Suffer. Oh, God. And that's the thing. I'm like, you know, as it turns out, it's in fact really hard to talk about the shit. You can't, it. Yeah. I mean, it's a right? nonsense. It's a nonsense critique of, rom- yes. I mean, well, here's the thing. It's not a nonsense critique of a romance novel. It's just not the critique of what people think it's the critique of. Exactly. Different thing. We'll talk it about is, that in yes. another episode. But this but the- scene is so perfect for showing here are two people who are in the same room and speaking their truth. Care and somehow, deeply for yes, each other. And like, know that. And she says that to him. I mean, there's this amazing... Her Mm self-awareness is off the charts in a way that's really believable, where she Mm -hmm. says something essentially like she'd been with a lot of men and she knew he was into her, right? But that she deserved better. Yeah. Oh, I'm not... That's not exactly what she says, but it's great. This book is a handbook. That is. It's like... 
don't read any of those like bullshit self-help books. Read this. Read book. You Have Me at Ola. Like, yeah. this is a relationship handbook. Give yeah. it to your stupid man. <laughs> stupid man out there right this is the gift for father's yeah. day's coming up this book. <laughs> so i mean i think this oh so I, I guess i would just say like yes i feel like this and i think for a book that uses like language mm-hmm. like their miscommunication is not language based right it's it's and that's the thing it's like that's why that all that stuff about language at the beginning is so brilliant because at the end... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? What matters is, like, all the fear and other things that get in the way. Yeah. And she is so fearless, right? And there's a part where she's like, she's like, you can't have it both ways. Well, and here's the thing. She can speak multiple languages, right? Yeah. Like she can speak the language of, like, emotion. Yes. yes. Right. And he can't do it. Right. Right. Like, he has... He has receptive bilingualism with the emotion piece. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's this, like, I understand the input, but I do not know how to put it out there into the world. Yes. I mean, right. it's so smart. It's such a uh, smart, thoughtful, yeah. nuanced, glorious book. Yeah. So and I, I do yeah. want to talk about sex. Oh, yeah. And I also oh, yeah. want to talk about, and maybe this, maybe we'll just do this first. One of the other things I really appreciate in this book is Jasmine drinks. We see Jasmine drinking as a coping strategy when she is upset. And as a reader, I was sort of upset by it. I, I remember being like, I don't like how she's drinking, right? There's a part where she's, like, really with her family, and they are terrible, and she's like, just keep bringing yeah. me mimosas. And it never felt like she's, like, a raging alcoholic or anything, but just, like, this wasn't healthy for her. And I love that Alexis sort of, like, deals with that at the by the end of the book. Yeah. That was important to me as a reader. Yeah. Not that I need people to be perfect, but when you put, like, stuff on page that has, that you know is unhealthy, especially mm-hmm. in a book that cares this deeply about its characters, mm-hmm. for me, that reassurance was just really important as a reader. Yes. And I just want to shout that out. Like, that meant yeah. something to me. I mean, but Alexis ties up many of the... Yeah. I mean, this is also an epilogue that does a lot of work. Yes. Right? Right. Um, which is... And it does a lot of work in terms of saying, like, you know, it it checks in. Like... Yeah. Everybody's in therapy. Yes. Like, everybody's feeling okay now. We love each other. We're going to the Golden Globes. Like, there's yeah. a lot of, like, everything feels, like, really solid yes. at the end. Like, everything that you worried about during this whole book. And here's the thing. I think that right now there is this sort of world of contemporary romance that is doing a lot. We've talked before about, like, realistic romance. Like, this mm-hmm. um, this book doesn't feel like a fantasy. Oh, no, not at all. Why? Right. Oh, well, because I want to talk about celebrity romance. Because yes. Maybe, can we do that now and then talk and about that? Yes, perfect. Okay, because celebrity romance is part of the promise of the premise of the celebrity romance is that fantasy. The fantasy. That, like, one of you is normal and one of you is Tom Hardy. Oh, right. And <laughs> the dresses, the glow up, the gowns, yeah. right? Yeah, and all like, that. It's going to be what it, it's going to be, like, wild falling for Tom Hardy. Yeah. And at the end, like, you're the only one for him, right? I mean, I've never had this particular fantasy. I've just, you know. Clearly never. I mean, I couldn't do two hours on this fantasy. But the... <laughs> um, anyway, the point is, though, there's a lot of... The celebrity romance is, at its core, 
it's Cinderella, right? Like, it's right. absolutely a fantasy. This book is very real. Yeah. But it's not real in a kind of, like, what I think is happening in some corners of contemporary right now where it's, like, a little depressing. It's Yeah, like, no, no, right, right. This is, like, beautiful and honest and a textbook for being a good human in a relationship. Yeah. But also, like, kind of magnificent. Like, everybody's hot and... Sure. <laughs> you know, can I... Can I add one more thing, though, that I think the celeb- this celebrity romance does? Yes. And maybe Alexis's celebrity romances do, which we is— We should add, th- Alexis is coming on to talk about celebrity romances yeah. for an interstitial. So we're not going to do—I don't want to do too far into it. But I do want to say this this one thing, and I was thinking a, a lot about this in the terms of, like, what it meant to Jasmine and Ashton and the crew and all the other actors to make Carmen in charge, which was, there's a part where she talks about, like, they put a map on the wall and people could say where they were from because the Latinx experience was so, like, vast here. People were Colombian mm-hmm. and Venezuelan and, right, like, every, you know, Puerto Rican. And so every, it's like this whole, like, group of people. And one of the things that I found myself thinking about a lot was a story I've mentioned before my sister-in-law writes for TV. And she and she she wrote for seasons three or four of Atlanta, which haven't been filmed yet. And I remember like sometimes I ask her, like, well, what was what was this show like? Like what was it like this writer's room? And one of the things, and I will never forget this, I asked her, like, what was the writer's room like for Atlanta? And she and she paused. And that's like a pretty broad question, right? You can ask, I'm always like who knows what I mean even? Yeah. But the way she answered it is she said, well, it's the first time I've ever been in an all-black writer's room. And I and I knew what she meant, right, was that, like, I was seen there. And then we were going to make something where people would be seen when they saw it. Yeah. And I think that the thing about, like, celebrity romance is, like, all the Cinderella stuff we talked about. But also, like, your goal would be to, like, make art for people who can see themselves in it and, like, see themselves as they're making it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was, like, the part of this celebrity romance that I, like, found really poignant, right? Like, that, yeah. like, going, and then, like, they're, like, but three Alexis of them. has always been able to do yes. this. Like, in all yeah. of her books, she tackles artists. Yes. Like, and she reminds you that a dancer is an artist, an actor yes. is an artist. Like, and the as craft of acting in the yes. world who yes. stare at Twitter all day. <laughs> yes. And who like literally as we are recording this, Twitter is blowing up about like who is hot and bald in real life, right? And I am going to say, I started looking at one of those threads. I told Jen this already. I started looking at one of those threads today, and number four on the list was my neighbor. And I was like, oh, no. And I just <laughs> noped right out of it. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, but the but the point is, like, we are so starry-eyed over dancer, actor, yes. celebrity, television, whatever, that we forget these are real people. Yes. Who are Real people. And there's and several times in the book where, like, Jasmine and Ashton both, like, realize, like, oh, I'm growing in my craft right now. Oh, like, it's I'm, so glorious. I and mean, you can just tell that yes. Alexis loves craft, too. Yes. That she's just, like, yeah. what, she, like, you know, rolls around and, like, how to do it. Yeah. And I just thought, like, that's the other part about, like, being a celebrity here is, like, I'm going to make something that's going to mean something to Mm -hmm. the people who watch it. Like, my grandmother loves, like, I'm, and 
I just thought well, that she part has was the really. Moment, yeah. She's on the red carpet and somebody says, I'm a fan. Yeah. And she's like, and she has a moment in her head where she's like, I'm a fan. Yeah. Like, right. That's, there's such an authentic, it goes back to what you were saying. She loves her characters. Like, yeah. everything is authentic. There's no like. And it's the flip side of the tabloid thing, which is so invasive and terrible, is the people who you've like, I've changed their lives. I've given them something that's like changed them. They saw this thing I was in and they're different now. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel that as a writer, right? Like, no, I'm serious. Don't make that no, face. I, you know? I, <laughs> no, I think I do. You, I mean, here's the thing. That moment in the book is very, that felt very real to me. It felt like a thing that Alexis pulled from her own life, yeah. right? Because there is that moment where you meet somebody and they're like, I'm a huge fan. I love your books. Oh, my God. I, yeah. you know, did I made this thing or I, you know, right. I, I started writing because I read your books. Yeah. And it's wild. I bet. I mean, I, I don't know how to really articulate the weirdness of hearing that because I'm you're sure. like, I have a weird, I'm just a normal person. Right. <laughs> like, I'm just a person who doesn't shower when she's on deadline. You know? <laughs> Nobody needs to know that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the celebrity piece of this, and one of the reasons why I think it'll be so interesting to have Alexis on to talk about celebrity romance is because she doesn't do this fantasy piece. Like, right. Because it's the workmanship. Well, it's respect for her characters. I mean, I we really nailed it. We didn't have to do an hour of this. We could have just been like, Alexis Daria respects her characters. But I do want to talk about sex. Okay, because it's hot. Yes. Okay, can we talk about that first scene where he's like, I don't think we should have penetrative <laughs> sex, but I'm going to make you feel great. I And she, okay, she's like, I, can you go get the lube? Perfect. And we talked about that. Normalized lube. Normalized lube. And in, like, the the scene where they have sex later, he, she's, like, unwrapping the condom, and there's this great line, and I was like, this is romance, where he <laughs> goes to the bedroom to get the lube because he knows she likes it. Yep. And I was Perfect. like... Well, there's also in that first thing where she's, like, lube in the bedside drawer, and he opens it, and he thinks, like, there's, like, a pile of, like, battery-operated excitement in and there. And he's like, ooh. <laughs> ooh, let's, that's that for, for later. later. <laughs> yeah. It's terrific. He's, they are so hot yeah. together. Oh, God. And then they cannot, here's what I love in a romance. I didn't, I'm trash for this, and I've <laughs> never written it, and I gotta put it on my list. I am trash for they cannot keep their hands off each other. Same. Like, listen. Because here's the thing. They're both going through it, right? Like, they have sex, and then they have sex immediately again, and then they have sex immediately again, and then, like, it starts to get weird, and they're not sure. Like, he's going to Puerto Rico, and, like, she's like, I can't do this. This is not how this goes. And then, like, the tabloids are like, are they having sex all the time? And they are, but they don't want to admit (laughs) it. And then you're like, oh, my God, and she thinks, I can't do this. We can't have sex all the time. And then immediately he shows up, and she's like, like, let's "Let's do it. Oh, my God. I am trash for that, too. Absolutely. It's so good. Yes. I can't keep my hands off you is amazing. 100% A plus. Yes. That's, and it is, it's super hot, right? And yeah, it's amazing. It's Cause, And it's also hot. just like, I like, I guess we're just, I was gonna now. Listen, you're beautiful and I'm beautiful <laughs> and we're beautiful together. <laughs> like it is great. It's hot. This is a hot book. He can like carry her around and put her on top oh, of I things. No, mm. he can like, it's great. Yeah. And he's like a grown man. Yes. I like that too. Yeah, me too. Initially with the like 
and like I said, the at the very beginning when it's you know grandma's favorite, yeah, actor, right. You're like, is he gonna I'm be like, like, is it Daniel Day Lewis? <laughs> No, exactly. Um, no, it's not. Uh, but like, he's a grown man, yeah, with a life and a purpose, and you know, faults, and yeah. But he can also, you know, throw a girl around if he wants to. It is so hot. I yeah, I don't. I'm not even really like saying anything great about it, except yeah, I am trash for they cannot keep their hands off each other. I really am, and you don't see it very much. Yeah. Well, I think because one of the things I actually really like about it is, I mean, she's 30 and he's 38 and they can't keep their hands off each other. It's yeah. not like, I feel That's like great. sometimes people are afraid to use that. Maybe they think it's going to veer too young, right? Like we're not in charge. You know, I don't know. Like, right. Does that make sense? Maybe. Like you're young and dumb or whatever. But I thought this was hot. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I mean, yeah. A plus. We don't have a ton to say. I will say this. I did also really like the way things wrap up with Ashton's family. Um, I don't I don't really want to get into it. It's like a spoiler, but like it, he has to be made whole again and his fear of like essentially his fear of his son being compromised by the press has mean that he cannot be as close to his son as he wants to be. Mm-hmm. And the book has to resolve that and it, and it does and I was happy with the way that it gets resolved. Yeah, she ties up everything. Yeah, right. It's it this is an extremely tightly written book. Yes. And the other thing actually, I would say this about the sex scenes. The the sex scenes are incredibly sexy, like bananas sexy, and also there's an icon there the language of them is it's very yes. she re, she really holds them tight. And I think that's why it works too that they can't keep their hands off each other because none of the sex scenes are incredibly long. I say this is like the queen of the 20 page sex scene. There's but like wrong with that Sarah. Well I know but like you can't yes, do sure. they you can't, can't do their hands times, off each right. other and then have like 120 pages of sex sure. scenes. I mean you can but I wouldn't my book's just 700 pages long. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so it's just so tightly written. It shows such masterful work in terms of craft. And, um, I would say that if you are out there and you are thinking like, oh, I want to write a contemporary, but like, I don't really know who's doing it. Like, who should I be following? Right. Alexis. Uh, you should be following Alexis. Like, she is great. You should read every one of her books. But this one is... I mean, I've loved all of her books. Yeah. This one is just, it's just, she's just on the, on, she's cre- like, yeah. she's just moving up. It's, it's amazing. Every book is be- best or last. I would also recommend this book to anyone who is really interested in how you come back from a really ugly fight. Um, right? I think that the, I'm a fan yes. of the grovel. Um He's with his son, and there's an opportunity for, like, a dads can get on stage and apologize publicly, right? And and it's kind of like, ooh, are you going to go get on stage and tell everybody that you fucked up? Well, the kid doesn't say this. He's eight. And, and Ashton says, I don't think I have to do that. I think I just have to tell her. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, again, this, like, really deep understanding of, like, a, like my to fix my personal fuck up, I do not need to do a, pro- a like a big public thing, 
right? Right. And it it really fits like the magnitude of how, what he does in that moment. Yeah. Right. Does I want to talk about that, and I wonder if we should talk about it now or if we should talk about. It. I think we should talk about it with Alexis when she's on because I do. We can think, save a few things. Yeah. I do think this is a celebrity romance thing. Yes. That doesn't work when you're both working actors who yeah. don't approve, who don't like, aren't glory hounds. Yeah, when you're right. both working actors who don't invest in the fantasy. Or who can't, I mean, the book doesn't invest in the fantasy, period. Right. Yeah, right. because in a fantasy celebrity romance... It would end differently. That happens on stage. And I think, well, let's save then, the other person I really want to talk about is Kitty Sanchez, which is like oh, the tabloid yeah. reporter. The tabloid but I, let's, reporter. let's save that too, because I think that would be a really interesting thing to unpack with Alexis, because it's a fascinating... Yeah. Fascinating the way the, even the tabloids are working in this one, but I think we can save that too. Yeah, I think we should. Keep a couple things in reserve. Here we go. See? You'll be back, <laughs> everyone. Oh, God, this book's so good. If it doesn't, if it hasn't been been clear to you yet, we <laughs> loved this book. We loved it a whole lot last year, and we continue to love it this year. I was really grateful for a chance to read it again, too. Yes, I read it. Me too. It feels like I read it a million years ago. Yeah. And I would and say the second book with one of the cousins, I don't know I have which not one. Read it. Have you read I it? I have I don't know if it's, it's out, not yet. out yet, is it? There are I mean it it's comes not out, out summer. For sure, but yeah. No, no, but arcs aren't even out. Galleys no. aren't even out. So, but I was like, everybody's going to want to... What? How do you have it? Why do I, I have it? I don't have it, but I definitely... <laughs> I want it. But I think this is another thing where, like, I'm, I am fell in love with those cousins again. And I was really excited to have read this because I'm like, oh, good. When I get to the next book, I'll be ready be to go. But again, yeah. that's, a, that's Alexis's whole thing. If you love a book that has deep abiding friendship... Yes. That's what this is. I mean, yes, they're cousins, but... Oh, yeah. No, they're best friends. It's amazing. These are they best know friends. each other so well, yeah. Also, I would totally... I, I She also somehow made it impossible, or she, she somehow made it possible for me to think that kissing Ashton 17 times in a row would be... Exhausting. Would be bad. I know. He was in his own head. I know. Oh, that was so smart, too. Mm-hmm. That, the... The Carmen in charge piece right yes. during that kiss was so smart. Yeah, it's all uh, really good. Uh, she's so good. <laughs> all right. So that is that. What are we reading in two weeks, Jen? She's mouthing. I don't know to me. <laughs> well, I will say this. Given the given the we should go back and read some of the ones we haven't spent as much time on. I would suggest we either read, but I, I don't think we need to do that like all at once. Okay, so we don't know what's coming up next time, everybody. You just have to wait. We'll tell you next week. Yeah, next week interstitial. Yes, and uh, I. S- several of you have been text have been texting have been DMing us about witches. We have a plan for witches. Just sit tight. It's happening. It's just not happening yet. I mean, you can't do witches in March. No. Yeah, you got to save it. <laughs> sure. Exactly. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm sticking to that. Springtime, pretty <laughs> ring time. <laughs> Not, you know, boil, boil, toil and trouble. I'm no. like, bubble, double, but toil and trouble. I hear, we hear you. We know you want witches. It's on our list. This is Faded Mates, everyone. We are produced by Eric Mortensen. You can find us at fadedmates.net, uh, where 
our website exists. And you can find uh, old episodes. Don't forget that we have an entire first season of episodes about Cressley Cole, um, who, you know, potentially has a new book coming at some point. And you might want to catch up. We'll definitely do an episode for that. Um, and uh, you can also find links to get buttons and stickers from Best Friend Kelly. You can find gear, Faded Mates gear from Jordan Danae on that website. You can listen to our Spotify playlist, which has all the music that Eric includes in our podcast daily. Um, and you can watch a YouTube channel full of all the videos of all that music in case. The other day, my daughter, who is seven years old, walked through the kitchen playing <laughs> the Red Hot Chili Peppers Blood Sugar Sex Magic very loud because she was listening to the Fate of Mates playlist. So it's family I just, friendly. <laughs> I just hope the pegging one isn't on there. That'd be Oh, it for sure is. <laughs> She's not going to know what it's about. She's I? not. She's not. But She's like, you know. is this about the Cracker Barrel game? Yes. Exactly. But I was a little concerned by stepping to my heaven where I keep it on the soul side. They Girl, know. please me. Be my soul bride. It felt like it was maybe too much for seven-year-old. But what are you going to do? Um, when I was seven, my favorite song was probably Sugar Walls by Sheena Easton, which is real filthy. So there yes. you go. Prince Protégé, speaking of somebody incredibly filthy. All that pr- all those all Prince songs. as children. All of us love Prince. And it is all filth. And our parents never once said, don't listen to Darling Nikki. <laughs> they sure. Wait, can I tell you guys? I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast. When Little Romance was about seven or eight, we were listening to Little Red Corvette. And oh, yeah. he, which is a song about masturbation already. Yeah, but and really it's about, it's about his, you know. His little cars. Sure. Well, Little Romance <laughs> said, I wonder who won. <laughs> Mr. Romance. <laughs> Mr. Reed's Romance. <laughs> Pretty much fell the fuck out. Like, I, I still do not think I've recovered. <laughs> Have you ever told Little Romance this story? Well, one day he'll... No. Uh, maybe I'll go tell him right now. I'll report back to you. <laughs> I wonder who won. We were both like... I wonder who won. Oh, kitten. And now he's going to college. He is. Look at it. Look at how time flies. What a world. All right, my friends. Have a great week. Read a great book. Tell us if you read You Have Me at Ola. And tell us what you love the most about it. Alexis, if you're listening, we hope you did. You, we did you justice. 